Hi everyone, I'm Karen Karitzer, CEO of the ARC Ida Lewis, and together with Heather Evans, our Vice President of Development, we host the ARC Waves podcast. ARC Waves shares best practices and habits of diverse performers and leaders. These inspiring leaders are from all stages of the leadership wheel, from seasoned CEOs to emerging leaders, risk takers and innovators, for-profit and not-for-profit. Our guests are trailblazers, serving as beacons for those striving to be outstanding leaders in the disabilities field and beyond. Today we interview Fred Matt of FX Matt Brewing Company, a local company with a long history as the oldest family-owned brewery in the country. When it began in 1888, there were 12 employees, and it produced 4,000 barrels of beer annually. Not only has Saranac grown exponentially since then, but its commitment to the community, and to the intellectual and developmental disabilities community in particular, has been unwavering. For the last several decades, the Arco Nida Lewis has partnered with businesses to provide employment opportunities for people we support. One of the longest-running partnerships has been with the FX Matt Brewing Company in Utica. For 40 years, this relationship has grown and evolved into a dynamic and transformative enterprise that has enriched the lives of hundreds over the years while supporting a legacy of growth for the brewing company and the community. Welcome, Fred. How are you guys? Great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. I love it. Amazing history. Amazing history with the brewery. And um, my understanding is that it's the oldest brewery in New York State, and it's the second oldest in the country. Is That's that correct? correct. Amazing, yep. amazing. Yep. Could you talk a little bit about the history of the of the business and um, what factors do you think has contributed to its success? So my great-grandfather started the company in uh, 1888. He came over from Germany where he did not like the political and economic situation. Came to America at 18 years of age and wow. started working for the brewery and ultimately took over the brewery 10 years later um, at the age of 28. Um, did what we know today as a leverage buyout. Hmm. And uh, I love this. Is he instilled himself as president. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Very smart so, man. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that story. Great. Um, How, did he brew beer before he came yes. from Germany? He yep. did. So, so he, he his family was a farming family, but he apprenticed at the Duke of Badensbury in, in uh, Baden-Baden. And okay. um so uh, actually, as some legend goes, is that he was potentially the bastard child of the Duke. Oh, um, wow. So that makes me royalty. I was going to say, <laughs> I thought he might look good yeah, in some yeah, purple yeah. royal yeah. colors. <laughs> Did he grow hops in Germany? Uh, no, but uh, hops were grown in Germany. And actually, when he came here, he bought hop, hop farms. Really? And so that we did grow hops uh, for the brewery. And hops were much more prevalent during those times because the weather was different. Very oh. big in Madison County. Yeah, yep. In fact, my yep. um, grandfather and his farm, they, they grew hops for many years. They were the last farm to yep. get out of the business yep. in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So and they're, they're actually the hop business or the hop farming growing today is, is quite robust. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very uh, capital intensive. And uh, so there's great hops being made here. But, you know, we use something like 136,000 acres of hops a year. Wow. Um, which is more than New York State has. So, yeah. you know, you participate in that. But it's, and, and also the margins are, or the costs are a lot higher here than they are in buying in Yakima Valley, Washington, Oregon State, et cetera. Gotcha. So, it's amazing. Um, c- could you talk a little bit about what you think are the key 
um, leadership qualities for growing a business, especially during really challenging or tough economic times? You know, I think that one of the things that my family has always focused on is, you know, working hard. So, you know, work by example, show by example. The other thing I always think that's really important is empathy and uh, showing, you know, concern and and appreciation for people. Um, That goes a long way. And Mm -hmm. I think that too often in today's world that the, you know, people aren't thinking about the employees that they have. And, you know, you see that corporate CEOs and what they get paid and, you know, what the, the, the rank and file, let's call us, get paid. It's, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's how much do you have to have? And I think that the, the leading by example, showing appreciation, showing empathy for people and, and, and really making them part of the success. I mean, you we know, wouldn't be who we are without our, our team. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful sense of humility, too, to instill yeah. in knowing that you rest on that foundation. I think growing up, I always thought that empathy was something you either had or you didn't have. But as I've gotten older and wiser, maybe, I've come to realize that empathy is something that you can emulate as well. Yeah. And so I think that that's so important that you can model that both as a leader and then carry that down. I wonder if um, someone having empathetic qualities that are inherent is something you look for when you are hiring as well so that you know that they'll be a good fit. Or are there other things? You know, that's a great question. And I have to say, I think I'm going to add it to our checklist of what we're looking for because I think that you know to your point you can emulate it I think unfortunately there's a lot of people that have zero empathy Mm -hmm. and they just don't care they don't care Um, and they don't get it yeah and they you know it's very tunnel vision and it's Mm -hmm. what's in it for me this kind of this me 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 culture Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know we all have to work together and it's it's you know the team that builds it not not individuals sure sure I think that's a great message Next one is yours. Would oh, you is like it? Take it? <clears throat> sure. So um, this is a question that I was interested and curious about, but um, I have been following the Saranac social media and have been very interested in the brand ambassadors that you have uh, and becoming a brand ambassador. And what an innovative way of telling your company's story that is, uh, both from a marketing standpoint as well as from an advocacy standpoint, advocacy for the product you make, but also what you stand for as a company, as what yeah. you just shared. How did you guys come up with that idea? How do you re- remain creative and relevant and meet kind of your audience where they need to be met? So I'd like to take credit for this, but I can't. <laughs> um, what we started years ago was a sampling program, and we hired, we called it our friends and family program, mm-hmm. and so that we hired people to sample, and we found that you know, people get really engaged with craft beer and they wanted to be part of kind of the movement. Mm-hmm. And so we hired people and we, we found them on Craigslist originally. Really? And um, and so that we hired them and I think we paid $15 an hour. It wasn't the money. People just wanted to be part of this whole movement. Sure. And so we got engineers, med students, you know, truck drivers, anything. Oh, Anybody that were just into beer. It was just very inclusive and, and nice. And and I think that the that kind of has evolved to these ambassadors where mm-hmm. we're not really able to do sampling, but you have people that engage with your company and engage with your product mm-hmm. and want to be part of it, so they start sending pictures in. Mm-hmm. And so we start engaging with them and, and sending them product and pictures and so that they they start pumping your product for you mm-hmm. um, because they're just part of the, fa- the family. And 
we recently had a thing that was on Facebook re- or uh, Instagram, Instagram recently um, where we had them all in and we gave them a tour and lunch mm-hmm. and all that. And it's just, again, making them part of us. And by making them part of us, they tell the story for us, which is sometimes it's better. I always say about us as a, as a family, us as a company, is that you know, we're not very braggadocious, so we're mm-hmm. not very good sometimes at telling our own story and patting ourselves on the back. And mm-hmm. it's easier to, for someone to say how great we are sure. than for us to say how great we are. So it really works well in that that's another good life lesson, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's better if someone else is telling you how great you are than yeah. if you're telling everyone how yeah. great you are. <laughs> it reminds me a lot about that authentic leadership. You know, if you if your family and your culture of your business um, is really about family, about that, you know, empathy, caring for others, and connecting to others. That's an easy thing yeah. to do in the marketing because yeah. that you already know that you already yeah. own that in your business. So, putting that out into the world as part of your marketing strategy, um, I think is an is an easy way to bring people into your family and, yep. to, and to even phrase it. Just yeah. your words alone here and yeah. describing that, I think yeah. is is really interesting and, well, and impressive. And can I just add too? And don't shoot me, but I am not a beer drinker. But watching that story unfold on social media makes me want to be part of something that I don't even drink. Right. I'm a wine drinker, but yeah. you know, I want to be part of this story. I want to be part of that community. And I think that that to me is just such a resounding yeah. success. Well, and you'll have some other products coming along here. We're getting into distilled spirits and cans oh. and we're, we're actually, I just came from an innovation Sign meeting me where, oh, where we're doing wine cocktails and, oh, and wonderful. then we're going to do some non, you know, non-alcoholic margarita mixers and, nice things like that so there's a lot of other stuff coming you know the beer the beer industry is great a number that i i marvel at is three years ago 85 percent of our business was beer today it's 60 wow and it just goes that is the the markets are evolving and i have three millennials i mean you know one is an avid beer drinker Mm-hmm. Other, the, my oldest son is a beer drinker but drinks scotch bourbon mm-hmm wine and then my daughter is primarily wine and a martini once in a while and then sure. some beer but you know it just goes to you know when I was growing up it was just all beer sure and sure today you can't do that and I think you know one of your questions here is how do you guys stay in business and I think you know we stay in business by trying to delight our customer Mm-hmm. And I always say, if you always give the customer what they want, you'll always have a place. Yes. Did and you just say delight your yeah. customer? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful. That is yeah. nice. Thing to think about for our, our field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like yeah. to think we do that at the bakery. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's so true. Is that you know, at the bakery, if if you are with a muffin or a cookie mm-hmm. or whatever it is, or a Utica Club beer bread. A Utica Club beer bread. <laughs> they'll keep coming back. Yep. And yep. it's, you know, it's part service, it's part the product, it's sure. it's all of that. And, you know, people people want to be known when they come into the bakery, mm-hmm. probably, and they want the product, they like the mission, right. et cetera. And if it all adds up and you're delighting the customer, you'll always have a customer. That's, it's about so, the, that's so true. It's about the relationships. Yeah. You know, in our yeah. field, um, at the Arcanine Lewis and, and certainly in human services, it really is about the relationship. Yeah. The people that we employ here um, to support those with disabilities, they will tell you the relationship is really what keeps them here. They've yeah. connected. Yeah. 
Um, they call them um, the people we support, the friends and the family, yeah. and yeah. It's, it truly is yeah. part of their, their lives. Yeah. So speaking of um, the Arcanita Lewis and, and family, um, you've had a great partnership with, with the Arcanita Lewis for yeah. the last 40 years. Yeah. What has made that a successful business partnership, and what have you most enjoyed about providing jobs to people with disabilities at the Arcanita Lewis? You know, I think a couple things is that one, my dad got us into this, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Um, I'd say it's probably over 40 because I was, you know, a 18 year old working at the brewery and we were working with ARC. Oh, wow. Um, but it's, you know, one, it, it, you served a need. Mm -hmm. So we needed mixing or boxes put together that were routine that we couldn't get done. Mm -hmm. And so you fulfilled a need for us as a company. And then I think just as we've gone along, it's, you know, you've continued to fill that need and something that we don't do very well that you do very well. And, you know, then you get the benefit of doing good and sure. being part of that whole mission that you guys are doing that I think is just, it's it's refreshing. And, and you know, maybe I'm getting older, but as I get older, I, you know, to me, it's not, to me, it's like you, ha I have a business, we as a family have a business and it's how do you impact people's lives in a positive way? And yes, we are trying to make as much money as we can and we want to win and all that. But the other side of it and the side that as I get older that probably is more rewarding mm -hmm. is doing things that change people's lives in a positive way. And you, you absolutely do, Fred. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to share briefly, you know, I spent have spent a lot of time at our facility where we do our packaging for FX Matt and the other, you know, items that you guys uh brew and pack that we package for you and seeing the the joy the sense of satisfaction on yep. the faces of the people that we support which is several dozen individuals who come to work yep. on a daily basis uh for your products um some of them have met people that they have fallen in love with yep. one one gentleman met his wife on the packaging yep. line um, has his own apartment because of the paycheck he earns because of the jobs that you help create. So not only does the brewery positively impact the community as a whole, but as I said in the intro, the intellectual and developmental disability community too, the the impact is so tangential. It's just incredible. Yeah. It really is. It's very humbling to be yeah. part of. I just have to say thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's a good thing that everybody's doing, really. It's, you know, it's a need. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you can get people that are self-sufficient, and, and, you know, I always say that the if you can get people so they have a feeling of self-worth, it changes everything. Yes. And one of the problems we have in this country is when people lose hope, they lose everything mm -hmm. and you know whether it's this inner city or whatever and we've got to change that because you know the divide's getting too great you have the haves and the have-nots mm -hmm. and the you know the one percenters that have everything and they mm -hmm. don't think about what impact that has on anybody or what they're giving back and we got to change that right right I agree. I think it's interesting too. There's there's such a shared mission between your organization and what we do here, right? So we want to support people with developmental disabilities, give them the, the quality of lives and opportunities that they they deserve. You want to not only you know, like you said, there's the part about um, you know bringing in the money and, and the revenue, but you you also clearly are an organization that wants to support um, people. Uh, with developmental disabilities yeah. and the community. And I, I think that is what makes this partnership so longstanding and what makes it 
successful. Because yeah. I think if you didn't have those two in their sort of shared space of yeah. their mission, it would be really hard for that to continue. There'd yeah. be a lot of different opinions and you know yeah. different ways of of wanting to um, you know have your business succeed that might not include including uh, include us. So I right. think you know I really appreciate all that all that you're doing. What would you what advice would you give other businesses about um, why they should employ people with developmental disabilities? One, they do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. You you can't buy the quality. Mm-hmm. I mean they they literally do a great job the passion when you go over and visit is you know brings a tear to your eye it just makes you feel great and you know feeling good is mm-hmm. is a, a thing we were talking about the peloton this yeah. morning now, I remember <laughs> the, the instructor she was kicking my butt was talking about you know your best moment in life mm-hmm. and you know don't let your best days be in the past sure you know make them going forward and and you know, I always think that giving and and making people's lives better is is something that can make your day the best day that ever had, and it's just really refreshing and rewarding. Uh, absolutely, I couldn't say it better. I'm, I'm a year and a half into this role here <laughs> at the Arc, and I have never been so satisfied and felt so good about myself every day for what I am helping yeah. accomplish that I almost feel guilty. Right. Like, how did I get so lucky? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that, I mean, what's awesome about it is you love what you do. Yes. And, you know, I can't say enough about, you know, people ought to, you know, choose happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately in, in the world, you know, people get into a rut and mm-hmm. they stay where they are and they're not happy. And if they just yeah. focused on what really made them happy and did that yep. and went for it, they'd be happy. That's And right. really happy. And you know what? It's a contact high too, isn't right. it? You yeah. can You can spread that yeah. very easily. Yeah. Yeah. If you weren't your line of work, what would you do? Would would it be social work? Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I actually worker, it's I feel funny like I'm talking to one because <laughs> I, I was talking to my brother last night, who's two years younger than I am, and and you know, just talking about you know what what do you want to do? And he's uh, he's got a huge job in a big company, and and he's just kind of thinking about what's next as he goes along, and you know, I we were talking he was kind of asking me and I said you know one of the things that I'd love to do is I love entrepreneurial things Mm and having lived in New York City and you know Mm -hmm. I think big problems in you know the Bronx and Harlem and etc is that I'd love to to use that entrepreneurial interest to go and seed businesses that were owned by that community and you know let those people develop the business own the business and you know, really see that they can, they one can succeed and they can have a business that can grow and they own it. And, you know, now you've got a real sense of self-worth. And, you know, the sad thing, and we see it now because we hire a lot from the inner city, one, we pay well, but, you know, their lives outside crush them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we can be a part of changing that, that's Mm -hmm. great. And, you know, there's this false thing of, you know, people in the inner city don't want to work. That's, I should say, an expletive. That's not true. <laughs> but I don't um, know how to bleep yeah, that out. <laughs> exactly. It's not true. Um, they're very good workers. They care. They're passionate. They mm-hmm. want to work hard. And I think that if we could just bring, you know, again, this is a hope thing. You know, people got to see a way of winning. Sure. And if they don't know how to win, they're not going to win. Mm-hmm. And ter- first we got to show them that they can win. Then we got to show them how to win. And I think that, you know, doing things like that would be, you know, wonderful. 
you know, I see this thing with, you know, Elizabeth Holmes that, you know, is going to go to jail for, you know, and she should have some penalty. But, you know, you get a smart person and you're going to put them in jail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just offensive to me. Right. I would literally make it, you know, you're not going to live in a $135 million house. You're going to live, you know, in the inner city of San Francisco with a group of people that you're going to help seed businesses and you're right. going to make you're going to make people's lives change right. in a positive way right and you stray from that you're in it's jail. a much uh it goes from being punishment to being discipline right. and discipline's root is to teach in yeah. latin yeah. and that's really where it should be right yeah i yeah. agree with you one final question before we go into the, the lightning round heather i may have an addition to the lightning oh, round. i'll bet too. you too um <laughs> So what leader has most inspired you and the decisions you have made over the years? So there, there's two guys that I, I like is that I do the one that, um, you know, Steve Jobs, I think, is awesome from the standpoint of he had a distorted way of thinking. And I think today in today's world to succeed, you really have to think differently. Mm -hmm. And I think people think too much about the same way to do things. And you've got to disrupt the way you think and, and come to things in a different approach. And so I think he was probably the best at thinking differently. Yeah. Um, he was horrid as a person. And I think that, you know, that's a travesty, unfortunately. Sure. There's a guy named Bob Chapman who was part of this conscious capitalism um, rise and wrote a book that everybody matters. And um, I think he's dead on, and he ran, um, they're in the beer business, actually. They make pasteurizers, and uh, Barry Waymiller. Okay. And Barry Waymiller was going through some really, really difficult times, and, you know, he cut his salary down to, you know, everybody had to take, like, a 10 or 20% cut. He took his salary down to, like, $1,000 a year, and, um, you know, all management did, and he mm -hmm. just... You know, we're all one team. We're all going to get out of this. And his focus is on everybody does matter. And uh, it's just a different way of thinking that if you take care of your people mm -hmm. and treat them as your customer, mm -hmm. then that will re be reflected in the products you make and um, how they, they talk about you outside. And, you know, Barry Waymiller today is a very successful company. And He's now conscious capitalism is a big thing that's growing, and Whole Foods has gotten into it. And you know, it's it's not all about making money. It's you know, make money. It's okay mm -hmm. to make money, mm -hmm. but it's also do something for everybody you work with. I think that if you know, you look at the the early sort of industrial revolution titans and leaders, yeah. right? There wasn't that same. Um, focus on empathy right. or of you know, everybody matters. It was sort of glamorized right. in the way that they, you know, s scammed people, right. you know, and, but, and you communities. Know, those, those robber barons, you know, honestly, I personally think the tech guys aren't much better. Mm. You know, you look at Bezos and I all think that's these extremely guys. Fair. You know, I think that you know they were robber barons and and mm -hmm. they did what was right for them. And I mm -hmm. think the egos of of high tech is is not much different. And there's been some books out about this too. Mm -hmm. Is that the you can paint, you know, Carnegie and all these guys as, mm -hmm. as bad guys. Well, mm -hmm. you know, these other guys aren't much different. Mm -hmm. Sure, and, there's a lot more similarities. Yeah, exactly. Still, Absolutely. that still continues even in today, yeah. even though History we know better. repeats itself. But we do have this other line of of leaders who who do get that. You know, when you are all together and yeah. you're 
you're on the same path and you're taking care of your employees and you're listening and you're doing what you can, the outcome is going to just be better for everybody. Yeah. Not yeah. just, you know, your business side, but it's the health and wellness of yeah. your of the people. Your customers are happier. Yeah. You know, goals are, are reached more in a super stretched way. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's great to have these conversations. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. for, for even the nonprofit world, yeah. we need to know that, you know, in the human services world, we, we tend to have that bend anyway, right? right. Wanting to take care of others and, and to help each other. But when you're so overwhelmed, whether it's COVID and that's going on, or you have... You know, a lot of our control is through the New York State budget, yeah. right? So we've had, you know, this year, I think for the first year in 10 years, we've had a governor who we feel is much more supportive of us. But going through um, long periods of time and whatever governor that comes in and maybe they are not supportive of, of the human services field, it's a hard yeah. road to follow. Yes, yeah. being beholden to those. You know, because you have, you have the... You know, your regulators or your funders are saying, you know, you're you're not valued. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Our whole mission is about yeah. valuing right. people. So mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's a really interesting topic to me. Yeah, and I no, and I, I hope that Governor Hochul does a much better job on that. You know, the, the whole, whole home health care, which I was involved on the board, is that, you know, the way those people are, are paid is just it's offensive. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, yes. And, I mean, the service that they're providing, mm-hmm. et cetera, is, is – it's so valuable, and yet we're saying at twelve dollars an hour, eleven dollars an hour, what you do is worthless. Or mm-hmm. you know, you're doing a great mission, so you shouldn't be paid. And, mm-hmm. and that's not fair either, right? No, yeah. No. yeah. I mean, we've got to change that because mm-hmm. you know, value comes in different things. Mm-hmm. And and I just you know, I think that the you know, paychecks ought to be according to the value you're bringing. Mm-hmm. And value on this side you may not be earning money but the value you're bringing to the population is huge yes absolutely and and that's got to be taken into consideration one of the things that uh karen as a leader uh did was encourage all of the executive team to adopt an ira a house and uh the arc and the agency and we are assigned homes that we go and visit and i have to say at first i was intimidated i don't have that background you know i'm I'm better behind the computer writing things or out meeting people like you know I obviously love to talk to people um (laughs) but but I have come to think of it as an incredible privilege to be able to go into these homes and help out in whatever way may be possible whatever my limitations are if it's salting the sidewalk then that is what I will do um and I think the rest of the leadership team feels that way as well and what's nice too to that value perspective we may be constricted by budgetary limitations but at the very least we can go out to the people that are the direct support professionals that are providing that intimate very loving care to people with disabilities and say well I can't give you a bigger paycheck but I can show you that you matter that we hear you and that we want to be part of making your day better and making you feel valued right Right. so to bring a full circle to that you know empathy sometimes it is something that you just have to learn along the way once you have a little more perspective so so Heather, yes. <laughs> so um, we have in every podcast lightning round questions, and uh, we we have a couple uh, zingers for you today. <laughs> um, so, but usually Heather takes this over because it's much more fun for her. <laughs> well, I do. So the first question is: um, I know you're a runner. Yeah. And I was curious what the longest race you've ever run is. I saw that. <laughs> my longest race and my well, I shouldn't say my only race, but my longest race is the Boilermaker. Really? Okay. And I have 
I am not diagnosed, but I would swear I have ADD, and anybody that works with me would say I have ADD. <laughs> and I just can't stay focused that long. So nine miles is difficult for me to stay yep. focused. There's no way I could get over that. Well, you know what, too? There's a lot of distractions along that course. You know, it's funny. There is, but I literally have tunnel vision when I'm running. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to get it done. Yep. <laughs> I don't care what's on the sidelines. I just... Get me out of you here. You don't take those popsicles right. that they're yeah. handing out no. or anything along the way. <laughs> I'm just, let's go. I ran a 1-5K at the Boilermaker, um, and I, I I like racing, but I don't like racing in the summer, which is when, unfortunately, yeah, the majority is just awful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, beginning of July, I'm like, this yeah. is this is going to be a nightmare to begin with. So I go. It's like I'm looking at my – but the clock was coming down. It was like maybe 10 seconds, and I get this, like, alert that there's like a 99% uh, humidity – and I start thinking, I just read something about don't run when it's high humidity. Yeah. And then it's like, and I start <laughs> running. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to have a heart attack in the middle of this race. I'm not supposed to be running in this weather. Oh you know, it's God. funny because I, with the heat, I always think that I'm like those cartoon characters where, you know. The, yes. And I mean, <laughs> I, blow I, your top. I overheat. And it's, I mean, yeah. it, I love the Boilermaker when it is. But for me, that when it's hot like that, it's just brutal. Right. You right. guys play such a big role in the Boilermaker, being yeah. there at the finish line and hosting that party, and it's awesome. Before I moved to Utica, I'm a Syracuse native. I remember going to the Boilermaker, Boilermaker after party. Yeah. Somebody, you know, friend said, "Oh, yeah. you're working in Utica. You got to come down to this. Check this out." I'm like, Boilermaker, what the hell is that? <laughs> and the jets fly over, and everyone's there in that community spirit. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. if we could harness that community uh, experience. Day Even one day a week yeah. the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just incredible yeah. how people from all different walks of life yeah. come together. Yeah. And, they, you know, we do that on the heart walk and yes. uh, run. Um, you know, this area is so good, mm-hmm. and I think that the area is, is really growing. I mean, I think our attitude compared to Syracuse, Syracuse to me always had build it and we will come and, mm-hmm. you know, Syracuse, you know, rah, yeah. rah, rah. I think Utica is getting that. Yes. And, and I think that there's a a real spirit here mm-hmm. that we can be much bigger than we are, and it's coming. I mean, I think it's a long time in coming. Yeah. But I think it's it's here, and I think it's coming, and this is – it's a great place to live, and I think we got a great foundation to build off of because the people here are awesome. I would agree with you 100%. I am so happy that I live here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're a utician now. I'm a utician. <laughs> it sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Better than Clintonian, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that, you know what? Let's add that one. What's the difference between a Clintonian and a Clintonite? Huh. Uh, I don't know. I, how about Clinton? Clinton. Yeah. <laughs> I've um, heard him referred to in both different ways, and I've never been sure. Is it somebody who was raised there and then moved or... Clintonite and Clintonian. We'll have to shelf that I, one, friend. I, you know, I grew up in New Hartford, so and You're the right. reason actually I moved to Clinton was that the teachers were still in the New Hartford High School. Or you didn't, New want, your, you didn't want your system. kids up against that. And I did not want them. Oh, mm-hmm. you're Freddie's kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why we went to Clinton, really. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, what is your most favorite place to visit, and why? You know, we love to travel as a family, so. Um, it really doesn't matter where it is. It's, you know, mostly if we're together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we try and take it. We just got back from the Dominican Republic, as mm-hmm. I said. But, yes. um, 
you know, we try and take a trip every year. We do a lot of out of the country, mm-hmm. but, you know, this country is beautiful, too. It is. And uh, so I, I, I can't, you know, I love skiing. And so mm-hmm. skiing in Switzerland and Austria mm-hmm. is, is awesome. Um, but, you know, I don't like repeating. So I like to do something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I went to South Africa because my daughter was there studying. And oh, nice. That's one of the most beautiful places uh, in the world. That's one of my dream yeah, destinations. It, it's worth going to. The... You know, there's so many places that I'd like to see. I don't know that I'll duplicate places, mm-hmm. um, but it's just you know, different experiences are are worth. And you know, a different experience can be going up and seeing, uh, uh, you know, the waterfalls. And sure, the, sure. Uh, so. You don't have to leave the country to no, to see those different exactly. experiences. And you know, to bring it full circle too, in terms of building that empathy, some of that is about perspective. And yeah. so, being able to travel to different places whether they're outside of the country in a plane ride away right. or just a different neighborhood yep. can help you empathize with yep. what different burdens people may be exactly. facing and, and different joys that they're yep. experiencing as well. Yep. So, well, Fred, I want to say thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you coming in. We appreciate the permission to use the Utica club beer yeah. no, in our bakery fun. bread. Yeah. I can't wait to hear back how you, yeah. how you enjoy it from Stratus well, I'm going to share it for everybody at work. So we'll, yeah. okay. we'll get many opinions <laughs> and try and get many customers. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> I do. I also appreciate you, you know, stopping by and I know you're very busy and, you know, again, I, I can't thank you enough for the many decades of partnership with the Arcanine Lewis and the lives that you have impacted um, and made such a positive difference. It's it's astounding to me, and I, I really want to thank you and appreciate it. We love being part of it, and it's I mean, it's something that we all talk about at the brewery. We all love it. And, awesome. Uh, it's a great partnership and many more years ahead mm-hmm. that great. are going to be equally as good. Good. Well, thank you so much again, yeah. too, and thank you for modeling uh, what it is to be such a great leader. Yeah. Thank you. And to be a human being yeah. at it. Thank you. Know? you. Are we good, Karen? Yes, we are. All right. Well, thanks <laughs> yeah. again, Fred. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Disclaimer, the views, ideas, and opinions expressed in this podcast are only those of the individuals involved and do not reflect the official policy or position of the ARC Oneida Lewis chapter, the ARC New York, or any other agency, organization, employer, or company.